I think Eric Schmidt's perfectly justified in throwing his weight around a little bit. Well, yeah, for project. all the crap that Jobs started with the whole getting getting his fan boys and girls riled yeah. up, saying, ooh, we're going to war. Why did you turn this into a war? This could have been a friendly competition. Friendly you turned it into Call of Duty. Th- he turned it into Call of Duty 3 over here. Like, what? that was unnecessary. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Wednesday, September 26, 2012, episode number 26 of Yats. It's yet another tech show, our weekly tech podcast. My name is Matt Lee. Join me tonight. We got the full group, Aunt Pruitt, shiny as What's always. What's up, man? Not too much. What's going on? We got Larry Press looking Evening, stunning as usual. Absolutely. <laughs> we got Mike Rothman. How you doing, Mike? I'm great, guys. Good to see you all tonight. Fantastic. Another week. Doing it on time this week. We didn't have to reschedule or anything anything weird like that, so I'm, I'm always glad when we can do a show almost on time. 40 minutes late tonight. That's fine. <laughs> when we say 9 o'clock my time, which is 8 uh, Pacific to 11, 11 Eastern, uh, what we mean is that's when we will make our way to the recording cave to reboot the machines, start that whole process, which takes about a half hour. So, uh, yeah, we oh, say how crappy Macintoshes are. We say nine. Give Larry a half hour to let his iMac boot up. Uh, another ten yeah. minutes for me to do what I'm doing, and then uh, eventually. It basically takes about thirty minutes for the squirrels to get the power up to speed. You got to get them hitting the right button. Sometimes exactly. they go for the benzos and then they're sleeping and then I got to get more squirrels. It's a total exactly. pain. Very messy. But uh, yeah, you guys can leave us messages at 406-204-4687. Make sure you let us know what show it's for because that number is used for a few of them. Uh, and like I said, join us on our site at yetanothertechshow.com. Um, we were talking before the show, and this is something kind of near and dear to our hearts, just being in the podcast world. And I do believe, I guess we can mention this, the podcast awards are coming up pretty soon. Uh, a couple of the other shows I do have been nominated like four times in a row, like ever since we started doing the shows, but they never win. Like they just get random nominations from people and then that's it. Which is fine, because if you're nominated, you're on the site for the whole year anyway. The only difference is the winner has a star by their name, so it's it's cool just to get nominated. Maybe we can do that with Yats and AOTA this this year. Um, but it was always my my opinion that if if you started a podcast, unless you started in 2006, there's really no hope for you to make any money or quit your day job or or make a living at it. The only people that are really doing that. Uh, or the, the people that started, like I said, in 06 or even 05, if there were any shows uh, that far back. Uh, Larry, you mentioned a show that was one of the first ones you started listening to or one of the first ones, period? All of the above. There are two of- podcasts that have gone off the air in the recently that I have loved and been listening to for years. 
One is uh, IT conversations that Doug K did. I, I couldn't tell you what year he started, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the first uh, kind of systematic every week podcast. Doug would go out and cover conferences, and it would be terrific. He'd get really in, interesting conference, you know, presentations from conferences all over the country. And the other one is Leo Laporte, who's got his, uh, what, his Twit network, and he canceled my favorite single podcast on earth, uh, Futures in Biotech, which I love, love, love. And I guess they canceled it because they're not selling ads. I couldn't tell you why, but I really am disappointed that Doug's going off the air and so is uh, Futures in Biotech. Now, is it is it the same reason? Because it, it seems like... Uh, like I said before, unless you start in 06 and got deals with uh, people like Revision 3 or Discovery or any any media network that wanted to branch out and do this. Uh, I know Sirius XM was big in comedy shows, picking up different comedy podcasts and, and putting them on. I know the Skeptics Guide is on Sirius. But the only shows you really see that happening to, or like I said, the ones that started in 06, any show started after that. It seems like they there was two ways they could monetize their show. And, and granted, a lot of shows are just shows for the sake of doing shows and putting out content. Some people just really like hearing themselves talk. Uh, other people are providing an educational service. Here's, you know, I know this stuff and I'm recording it and now you know this stuff. But if you wanted to monetize it, it seemed like the the only two ways to do that were to put Google AdWords on your site and do the click per whatever, pay-per-click or pay-per-view, or uh, what was the other way? It, doing doing big ad buy-ins, which also just so happened to be run click or pay-per-view or, or whatever. And well, so you, what I that, give you a third one. Oh, Doug okay. K um, on Conversations Network, and he had several programs. It wasn't just IT Conversations. Uh, he did it nonprofit and asked people for voluntary contributions. Right, and that, and yeah, that's. I mean, all almost all podcasts that have been around for at least a year have a donate link, and and their listeners, you know, all podcasts have listeners, whether it's ten or whether it's you know ten thousand, and out of ten thousand people, maybe you get ten or twenty that'll donate every now and then, which which is cool. Uh, we do it for for uh, the comedy show I do. People donate every now and then, but it's nowhere near enough to where I can quit my day job and focus on a podcast network five days a week or seven days a week. It's just yeah, do, you, do you on those shows do you kind of run ads like no like, I I refuse to say, put hey, ads. He'd run little ads at the start of each show and say hey please contribute contribute to keep us on the air. Yeah, see I wouldn't even do that. We would we would mention it during the show that like hey if you if you like what what we're doing here kick us a few bucks whatever. But it was never like we're doing ads for another company unless it was something that they gave us that I was like, "Oh, this is really cool." I know uh, with the Hotbox we did that from a couple of uh people that had patents on new pipe designs uh for tobacco smoking or whatever. And they gave us a couple to talk about. And I know we sold uh, like 10 or 20 of those pieces yeah. for the guy, you know, uh, for medical marijuana. Is that better? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, you there you go. Okay. That's an example of whatever. But this guy had a patent on this, this design that it, would, it was a big bulb and it would circulate the smoke around it by using these holes placed in it. And he had a patent on it. No one had ever heard of it before. So he gave us one. We talked about it on our show because it was awesome, <laughs> and uh, he he yeah, got we get letters from people still that are like, <laughs> "I found this on your show, and I'd never even seen it before, but it's the most amazing thing ever." 
And so, so things like that, but not like advertising per se, and definitely not click ads or things that we don't use ourselves. Hey, hey, hey man, you know, th- there are some new players in the field, at least relatively new to me. There's a, there's a guy named, uh, any of you know this name, Andrew Zarian? He runs a, a podcast network called Guys from Queens, mm-hmm. as, in, as in Queens, New York. Yeah. And, and they're all young guys with attitudes, and they've got kind of uh, funny banter, and they've got some comedy shows, they've got some tech shows, they've got some uh, uh, sort of edgier stuff. And he's, it seems to me like he's doing a pretty good imitation of the Twit Network in that he has, he, he's actively marketing fairly successfully inline ads and uh, that appears to be his main revenue source. It just feels like when you do stuff like that, and we see this all the time with tech writing, that when journalists or tech writers are paid per view or per click, they write that way. Like they 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 form, they write click, and it, it takes away, it degrades the overall scene of, the content that you're getting. And I, right, I kind of, right, I don't right. want to do Mike that. What talking about and what Leo Laporte does is he does the, he doesn't do, uh, well, actually I never watch. I don't know if they have. Okay. Well, what think. he does he is different. He commercials in the middle of the program. Right. Yeah, and yeah. it's stuff yeah. that he uses and that he That's supports, he which I'm all about. But what I don't like is that what that does is causes, so let's take uh, a show I liked listening to was Dr. Hehe science hour. And it wasn't yeah. so much for, the science news headlines, I can get that on many of my RSS feeds. It was more for the fact that the, the majority of her show was interviewing scientists and researchers from all these different universities in their particular fields. And these were people that were so passionate about what they're doing and just that they had someone interested in their work. Like the conversations they would have were so amazing and eye-opening and educational. But because that show or – and like what you said, the show you like – wasn't getting the proper numbers it wasn't worth it and i mean who how do you measure worth in something like that i mean i guess if you're trying to run a network it's easy you just look at the numbers but i feel like you you take away something when when you're forced to get rid of a show like that because there's nobody else that's going to these and not like your michio kakus or or your Real mainstream famous scientists. These were the guys in the labs doing the work, and, doing the work. And yeah, it was and because exactly of the same format as features in biotech. Exactly. And he, would he was a PhD. You know, he started out a postdoc. He was a uh, had a company by the time it ended. The guy that did it, and he would have really interesting conversations, and you know, with Nobel Prize winners, with with heads of labs at MIT, really high powered people, and it was terrific. And why did they cut it out? What's, you know, we were saying before the show, I mean, what the hell? The, the long tail of the Internet, why not let those things go even if they're not paying off? Right. Don't the ones like Twit, like Twig, like Security Now, let's let's take his network for an example since that's what we're talking about. And granted, yeah. I don't know exactly if that's why. That's just the rumblings around the Internet and how, you know, from what he says, how the network operates, that that's what happens. How... Uh, it seems like the the more popular shows that are doing above and beyond the numbers would help the rest of the shows come along. And you don't even need to do them live or anything. I mean, that's cool to yeah. have the chat room there. But 
just to have the podcast up there. They're taking up, what, 20 megs of space? Like, I'll host you know, them. I mean... <laughs> you know, Matt, the interesting thing to me is, is that Leo made a particular decision to invest a lot of money in his new studio. Right. And he's, ne- and he's now got a big mortgage to pay off. That's true. And, and he did that to, to really field a state-of-the-art video uh, podcast. And he did it just before... Uh, Google comes out with Hangouts on the air, right. which which now puts in. I mean, guys like the four of us can sit around and do a video podcast with darn near the same quality and flexibility that Leo has from his million dollar studio. It, yeah. It's really disruptive. Minus having you know the the Telecaster, or the what's it called, the TriCaster. TriCaster. And like we were doing two shows before I met any of you guys. We were doing the comedy show and the medical marijuana show. And the way we had to do it because I didn't have a video switch or any of that stuff is we would make a Justin TV account for each camera that we had. So usually the shows were all done in house. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a host there, me here, and a third person there. So each camera would have its own Justin TV account. I take the embed code from each camera, throw it in a page. So you have your two main cameras here, and then your chat room here, and then your guest camera below that. And it was a lot of bandwidth, cause, but uh, we're using Flash Media Encoder. So we were doing high quality HD streams. But it was it was a lot of stuff on the page, but it worked. You know, we did that for years, for two, three years before Hangouts came out. And we couldn't, we didn't have the, we, we weren't able to take the video and save it and then upload it to YouTube because it was just such a pain to merge two of those video feeds and to switch back and forth depending on who's talking. So then Hangouts comes out and, I mean, Mike starts talking, it switches to him. Ant starts talking, it switches to him. And when we're done, when I hit this button, it's on YouTube. So you get the YouTube audience on top of your podcast audience, which helps small groups like us. I don't know if that's... Google is really brilliant with this technology. Oh, yeah. It's gotten way better, too. If you notice (laughs) how our shows were when we first started using Hangouts, just... The audio encoding for the live feed, the video wasn't very good. Like, now it's HD. I mean, this looks beautiful. Probably even on a bigger screen TV, it looks yeah. great. They're getting better I mean, and better. It does. I've looked at our show a few times on the TV behind me, and it, it does look really good. I, I, I wonder if Dr. I'm in teaching, too. But it, sticking back with the other thing, is there anything we can do with our small voices to raise hell with Leo Laporte? I mean, I would love to be able to ask him, hey, you know, what was the marginal cost of doing Dr. Keithy's Science Hour? What was the marginal cost of futures in biotech? Why did they have to cut them out? Well, I wouldn't necessarily assume that it was it was a decision about numbers of viewers. It, it could have been other things. I mean, it, it could have been... It could have been... Uh, Didn't Dr. Dickey have a baby or something? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah he, it could have been a life the decision. The baby was on the like show. That. It could have been she wanted to go back to teaching. That's true. It know? could have been a lot of other things, definitely. Did he say that, though, that she was quitting? Because they cut them both out at the same time. No, no, but he canceled that game show, too, that he was doing, Game On exactly. or whatever, and he yeah, said yeah, it's because they didn't... Right, and so that's why I assume that because those other ones were all cut around the same time that that's why. Yeah. But I, like I said, I don't know for sure. Leo does not answer email, so it's it, it, he's actually kind of a hard guy to reach. All right. No, I wish there would be a way. We should invite him to come on Yats and defend himself. We should. <laughs> Done. Have your no, studio call our studio, and we'll do this. 
Yeah. But what Matt was saying is it doesn't have to be live. I never, ever watched Futures in Biotech in a live stream. I listen to the audio in a podcast. Oh, and Larry, that's why I was going to ask you yeah, I mean, to, to put in all of the money for this live stuff. Like anyone can record audio all day long and make yeah. it sound great. What it seems like he spent the majority of his money on, and I get it's cool having that studio there. Like the things they can do there that they're not even doing yet, just the potential that they can start doing is just phenomenal. But to cancel shows like that, uh, it seems like you could just to have a podcast audio wise, like how many listeners do you really need before it becomes worthwhile to just even provide a service? Like you said, the nonprofit thing, like we're just helping science education we're getting the information out there so it's searchable by google so it adds to the greater overall wealth of knowledge for humanity and i think that right there is worth it i mean that's what we're doing here really i mean it's i don't have much reach i'm gonna do a blog post on this you guys have got me uh you know i kind of oh shit when they cut out futures biotech i was sad but i didn't do anything uh i wish people would do something i wish somebody could uh, Right, and I listened to like fifteen really or twenty really pod. Sucks. I listen to like fifteen or twenty podcasts because I drive for a living. I yeah. never go and watch the video feeds. I'm I never watch them live. I never do any of that. Some of those shows I listen to religiously. I don't even go to their website ever, and that's I like I know it's something that's downloaded automatically on Beyond Pod, and it's ready to go every morning, and and that's how I consume this media. But well, when a show is not live, because I actually watch the video, I have my computer set up to download the videos and serve them up to the Google TV, and I watch them pretty religiously all week long. You know, right? So it's good to have both. But what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, you can you can offer one or the other, and not have to offer both if that's why you're you're having to cut it. I'd rather have just the audio of a show that's doing good science and teaching like that then have it get cut because the live listenership wasn't there or because it costs too much money to produce live or, or whatever the, the case may be. This but, might be a little bit off base, but I'm, I'm listening to Larry, and it makes me think about some of the viral videos that's been going out. I, I, I'm probably not pronouncing this thing right, but the Kongman dance or what an open Kong... I don't know how to pronounce I it. I never heard of it, so um, sounds good. You, it, it it's it's sort of funny. It's this uh, Asian on. guy. Are you talking about Gangnam Style? <laughs> that one, that yeah, that <laughs> one. I mean, this dude, it's it's everywhere. I saw it, you know, and I laughed when I first saw it. But I see it all the time now, and it's just constantly being reshared and reshared, and it just amazes me how much mindless content is being consumed versus the good. Sometimes educational, sometimes informative content that's out there that's getting cut. But you got to remember, too, a lot of times when people are looking for content to watch on the Internet, they don't want to think. They thought all day at work, you know, paper or plastic, drive through, you know, they want something mindless and dumb. I don't know. I think we're at. I feel you. On a that. pushing my blog point is a mindless blog. If you've ever been to my blog, <laughs> but I how much of that do you that. need to satisfy the demand? Like, I I think we're way over. I think we have way more mindless content than minds to consume the content in in ever, like ever, yeah. ever, ever. You know what this conversation reminds me of? Mindless this, content. Mike's Mike's gonna yeah. remember this. The concept the the crack in the '60s that the head of the FC that uh, Newton Minow made. The TV had become a vast wasteland. 
Oh yeah. That I mean, t- is that when the whole out, people thought it was going to be educational? It was going to uplift the world. <laughs> and at that point, Newton Minow, I think he's at NBC. Yeah. Said, it's become a vast wasteland. And shit, I would hate to see the internet to see futures in biotech or Dr. Kiki Science Hour disappear, so that the stuff that Ant's talking about can uh, suck up our attention and bandwidth. That's kind of depressing. And like I said before, there can be both. Like on on the internet, yeah. you have your porn if you go look for it, and you really? have hey, things you even are, worse than that if you go look for it. <laughs> but it's not blatantly there in your face uh, unless you're hanging out on 4chan. That's the God bless their TV souls. And the internet. TV became a vast wasteland because it's such a constrained medium. The internet, the long tail, man. I mean, you can All have right. any weird thing that you want and there's room for but it. look at it this way how is tv supported it's all ad based right mm-hmm. do TV people is scarce the internet look at amazon how, how many okay i have two books that i wrote 86 years ago they're still <laughs> for sale on amazon i get royalties of at least a dollar every two years that's right? awesome but it doesn't cost amazon anything to see keep them there and couldn't leo laporte have kept dr kiki and futures in biotech on his website, regardless of who was listening, how many people were listening to it. I don't get it. Well, Larry, did they take the old episodes down also? No, the old episodes are no, still, still there. Oh, okay. So oh, they're it's, there, and they're so cool. So and I wonder I'm, that I'm more... i to go listen to them, but, you know, shit. That more maybe leads me to believe if he didn't take all of it down... I mean, are the old Game On episodes still there? Did He only did, like, two or three of those, right? I don't know if those are still there. I'm just curious if if it was he stopped it from any future episodes or if it was just the whole thing. What might no in the case of futures and biotech? I can tell you the old episodes are still there. In fact, I was looking at them just yesterday. Uh, I don't know about Doctor Kiki, Larry. You know, I, I I share your sense of disappointment that those shows are gone. Now, any individual show doesn't last forever, and I. Thoroughly get that there is a boatload of crap uh, in the way of YouTube content and you know generalized content, but there are also some amazingly wonderful things that you find on the internet. And you've been writing about one thing that I'm really intrigued about, which are these uh, these uh, multiple online massive, uh, yeah. Massive open online classes. Massive o- online open classes where you get this incredible content of, of education. Could, could be in the humanities, could be in some technical field, could be in some career-oriented field. You get this incredible content, and it's served up for free, and it's high quality from some of the best professors at some of the best institutions around the country. It's mind-boggling to me that that content is available on the internet, and may, maybe Laporte's decision reflects his his inability to compete with iTunes U and the the the, the other kind of educational content that is starting to become available. But Mike, why do you have to compete? Can't you just leave it there and the people that want this can go there, the people that want that can go over here? Why, why do you have to compete? Well, I think, I, I, I don't know, of course. I'm, we're all, none of us knows why Laporte canceled those shows. But mm-hmm. it may be that Dr. Kiki and others felt they wanted to take their talent 
to a educational institution and do an online course instead of do it in this format. You know, right. we'd be we'd be speculating, and and, and I, I do think Laporte has a particular issue, which is that he's got a lot of overhead. He's got something like twenty eight employees. He's got a mortgage to pay on his very fancy studio. I mean, he's you know he he's he's built himself a particular kind of network, and now he's going to have to produce results that. That an empire, right. but he I think he's proven for how long he's been doing it and the content he has been producing. I mean, oh, I love excellent. Security Now and This Week in Google. Those are like my two favorite shows now, he's besides excellent. Big Picture Science from SETI and Skeptic's Guide. But I, I think it's it's the people that he works with. Like, he has a ton of big names, and each of those individuals bring their social groups in when they're on oh, yeah. a particular show. It's like us four. When we... We all post to our individual networks, and there's maybe you know a few people here and there out of each of our groups that like the tech scene, and so they'll come and check out the show. We don't have hundreds of thousands of followers like a, a, a like those guys do. I mean, and the people that he gets on the show, I think he's smart in the way he does his his panels, is because all of those people from their respective uh, blogs or or tech sites. They bring their groups, not just them personally, but the people that follow their sites that they work for. And I think that conglomerates to this massive set of, of live listeners and podcast listeners. And that's where you see all of those numbers come from. Granted, he also has a lot of clout from being on tech TV. I mean, he's been in this game for, you know, way longer than, than Matt, I have, definitely. Matt, yeah. Matt, let me ask you a question. Did Leo himself talk participate with dr kiki or was it just her interviewing people it was just her okay so what was the marginal cost to leo then well that's why i don't get like when we what was the problem when we separated attack of the androids from groovy post because of difference in where we wanted shows to go wanting to do live shows and him not wanting just the the delay in posting things just just all that stuff like, we didn't skip a beat. You know, we had everything ready and up on our end. And, and granted, I, I don't know, that, that took a little time, but it seems like if she wanted to continue the show, she easily could have. Now, I don't know what kind of contract or I don't know any of that stuff. So maybe there was something you know, in there. Maybe she, you you but all I, know that before she was on um, uh, Dr. Kiki, she was on a podcast that was done out of UC Davis. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if she goes back to that UC Davis. When podcast. she did another one this week in science, also, I don't know if they canceled that. I never really listened to that show much, but it was mainly the Science Hour because of her interviews that I listened yeah, to. Yeah, this—that was it. That was it. What was the name of her show from UC Davis? Does anybody that remember? I don't know? Is that right I didn't know she was at UC Davis. It was an audio podcast. I'll tell you. And she did it with a, a another faculty member at Davis. Well, I'm not remembering. Are we all Googling it? I wish we could get some answers to these questions. But let's try to – can you guys think of, of things to do, of action items from out of all this? Yeah, we can. I mean, I'm going to do a blog post. Screw it. But that's not going to shake the world. I'll, I'll write – you know, Leo has a, uh, a sister who does his bookings for guest uh, – for um, audience bookings. And I'll I'll write her and see if she'll ask Leo to give us fifteen minutes on Yath sometime to talk about this topic. Yeah, that would cool. be that would be, be cool. Wonderful. Sweet, man. Yeah. And we'll, you we'll, know what else would be neat? Does anybody know how to? How about asking Doctor Kiki? 
Yeah, I can reach you out know, to her on Davis. Twitter. I follow her on Twitter. I I don't know. It's worth a try, I guess. But yeah. maybe, maybe this yeah. is stuff we should uh, discuss. I'm to try to run down the guy, Mark Pelletier, the guy that did uh, Futures and Biotech. I'll there try to go. get a hold of him. All right. Well, we'll discuss this after the show. Uh, let's kind of get focused back on tech. You guys had an interesting piece in here about Google stock. I don't really follow stocks much. Go figure. Not a not a <laughs> stock investment kind of guy. Can't afford one share, man. If you hadn't noticed, I don't know if it's the powdered toast man shirt that gives it away or the uh, pet the giant. Well, you know, poster in the background. Anyway, uh, there was a city report that came out, and after that came out, the stock price it hit seven hundred fifty dollars before closing at seven forty nine thirty eight, which is uh, pretty decent, I suppose. What, what, what was think, it Larry? historically? I have no idea what Google stock sells for. Well, I'm telling you, that way it, up from before. Or? From the article, it was it hit seven fifty. It was a, uh, it rose it was like right at seven hundred at the time, and it just started climbing up to almost seven hundred and fifty. Where was it a year ago? Anybody know? Uh, it's I in did this. Have that in our notes here. Let's see here. On well, not a year ago. I guess you can go a year ago if if you do it in that spreadsheet there. But basically, while you're looking that up, the report was from a city analyst named Mark Mahoney. Uh, he said Google stock will continue to surge based on increased spending on search advertising, reduced competitive threats, and an improved situation at newly acquired Motorola. So mm. these three, the trifecta, if you will all come together and give Google stock a little little boost. How about the, uh, all the ad money that Samsung's putting into Android, into their Android phones and so on? And so well, and, and I'm sure spreading out software. with these different manufacturers, and it's just like what we were just talking about. Each manufacturer has its followers, its networks that it brings. So when it's like, hey, Samsung has a new Android phone, HTC has a new Android phone, the people that follow those individual manufacturers all get together, and that's a pretty decent-sized chunk when everyone's together being like, yay, Android, <laughs> overall, you know, whether it's from this manufacturer or that. Looking at the price from last year on this day, uh, the close was $528. So it's up a couple hundred dollars in, yeah. a, in a year. Yeah. Oh, so that's like 40%. That's forty yes. percent increase. How how has Apple done over the same period? I'll bet the same. They've shot up too, right? Is I'd that, like to think that, but I can check. Let's so that's here. all having to do with with smartphone, because what what this says is about you know their search ad spending will grow around twenty percent in the third quarter. He says that product listing advertisements, which add price, images, and other information, uh, will also host revenue. Uh, and the company is making a new effort to monetize Google Maps, launching new features both for users and advertisers. And I've kind of noticed this here and there uh, on Android and Google Maps. If you search for something, uh, not like a, an address to a residence, but if you search for like pizza or, or a pizza hut, you will not only get the place you're looking for, but then there's a little bar that shows up under like right above where the little My Location button is right under there. That shows you just an ad, just some rant for something that you hopefully were looking for or will be looking for in the future. Because Google's all about prediction, right? Yeah. Uh, and he says uh, Google has streamlined operations at Motorola, eliminating 4,000 employees and closing a third of its 94 offices worldwide. Uh, and it is also reportedly looking to sell Motorola Home, which makes the set-top cable boxes, for as much as $3 billion, 
which would let them recoup, you know, some of the money they spent on it. Uh, it would make the net cost to Google of the purchase around six billion. Uh, given that the move brought Google more than seventeen thousand patents in the middle of an intellectual property war, yes, they, they don't mind that six billion dollar loss with all oh, no. those patents. It's well worth know? it, right? I mean, they what what did they have to defend themselves prior to that? They tried to buy the Nortel patents, which didn't happen. I Nothing. thought didn't they put in a bid for some other set of patents? I forget who. Maybe maybe it was just the Nortel. I don't know if they were in on the Kodak stuff or not. No, it was something else. I, I don't remember. What, Larry? They did some bid for pi billion dollars. Yeah, something. I think that was on the Nort. Was that on the Nortel or or on the Spectrum? I think so. I thought that was the Spectrum bid that yeah, they were doing. Maybe it was the Spectrum. Bid. That might have been. Yeah, I think you're right now that you say it. But then uh, it says, as for competition, he says, search is getting less competitive over time, not more. The integration of Bing and Facebook has yet to put a significant dent in Google's market share, and Facebook's own search ambitions are unlikely to compete with Google directly. So all this stuff makes it uh, look pretty good to be owning some Googly stock right about now. You know, when you look at those, the the story talking about just search in general and just do a poll. Ask people, what do you use to search, Google or Bing? And the, ma- the majority of them will say, I don't even know what Bing is. Or, yeah, I've seen Bing on my computer, but I can't get rid of that tool. And if you add something to that effect. If you, know? if you add Facebook into that with what they want to do with search, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I think of Facebook search, I'm searching for something within Facebook, within whether it's it, yeah. a page for yet another tech show or attack the androids or whatever, or a person, an individual. I'm never, I never, and I don't know, maybe it's because those of us that use Chrome are in the habit more times than not of just going to our address bar and doing our searches from there. Like, do any of you guys go to google.com to do a search? Never Never again. It's all the Omnibox, right? It's all about the Omnibox. And, and, and by may- the way, oh, go ahead, man. Oh, I was just going to say, maybe if you use Internet Explorer, you're doing that, that same thing, but it, you're, it's it hooked up through Bing. So maybe that's where some of that comes from. But I don't, I don't know. I, I might, you know, my take on this is there's a lot of money that chases hot Internet investments. And right now, Facebook is perceived to have stumbled in the, in the stock market. And, you know, Microsoft has been on one continuous 10-year stumble. And <laughs> Apple, Apple, is a, Apple is a little uncertain with the passing of Steve Jobs. And, you, you know, their last iPhone announcement was not all that sizzling. So, I mean, who are you going to invest in? I know. Google hasn't really screwed up recently. Let's invest in them. <laughs> Unless right. you're Germany. Yes. <laughs> then you just you just don't yeah. like anything, I guess. I don't know. How about Amazon? Amazon's another one to at least consider. Yeah, they yeah, consistent. They seem to be part of the big four or five to me. They, they, yeah, they certainly are. You asked about the Apple stock a year ago. It was three ninety seven oh, on this day. Now and it's six fifty or something. Yeah, six today they closed at six sixty five. No, yesterday wow. they closed at six sixty five. So yeah. yeah, they were they were doing something right with that as well. Yeah, and even though all the geeks didn't like the iPhone five, it doesn't sound it's, like it's hurt their stock price. No, no because think of it. Phones. Larry, sold. Larry, think of it this way. If you're on an Android phone and 
the new the newest baddest best android device gets hyped up and hyped up and you're waiting with your old android device and that new one comes out and it ends up being just not what you expected you don't buy it anyway because it's the only android device you go and buy a different android device when you're sitting on an iphone 4 or even a 4s and you're waiting for that 5 to drop and it comes out and it's just like meh you have to buy it anyway. You have well, to. Have to get it. You have yeah. to. You can't be like, well, I'll just get this iPhone. No, if you're the, stuck if with the that iPhone one. iPhone 6 is a flip phone with no screen, my <laughs> wife's going to still buy it. Of course. <laughs> We're going back the, to the feature phone, baby. That's have all. you guys seen the YouTube videos? Yeah, I, of- I showed her that, that. Have you guys seen that Samsung ad that says, oh, yeah. look, here's what we've got and all these extra features? I tried I to show that, that to my show. wife. She didn't want to look at the damn thing. Uh, <laughs> is she like hardcore fangirl? Larry, are you married to a hardcore Apple fangirl? I think so, man. Does That's she hate this show or what? Yeah. As he's in front of an iMac right now. <laughs> She's got an iMac too, yeah. Of course. Oh, that's funny. The, well, the, the the recent ones are, you know, man in the street interviews, but the, 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 the guys being interviewed are people waiting in line for uh, the iPhone sales last week. Uh-huh. And, right. and you know you you go up to them and they say good good afternoon why, why are you standing here in line well I've I've been standing in here in line since last Thursday was this like was this like the commercials they did buy. last time Mike where they the the guys with the Samsung phones walked up and the the guys in the iPhone line were like ooh what's that ooh yeah. Yeah. oh nothing just the new Samsung Galaxy Nexus no big deal ooh. What? So, so what is it about the iPhone 5 that you're like, well, I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. This, this line's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know I the just... truth? To defend my poor wife and everybody, all those people. In sickness me, and in health, phone, Larry. The phone is becoming less and less and less important. <laughs> it's all the other crap like the store. It's all about the software and the ecosystem. You know, the phone is just the tip of the iceberg anymore. Couldn't agree more. Well, nowadays, back in the day, it wasn't like that. But now we're pretty much at an even keel with with these devices where the only differentiator is, I mean, on Android, it's the skin the stupid carrier puts on it. But it's the software. It's what can that hardware do under my use case you know it's it's not like well this one has a camera and this one doesn't so i better go with the one with the camera you know like we're all having front facing we all have rear cameras we all have this this set of specifications we're all pretty much equal at this point so it it has to be the also aren't the apps pretty much equal i mean apple says they've got i don't know 700 million apps and android's only got 600 million apps but Aren't all the apps that anybody really wants on both? But in Apple, a hundred million of those are all just fart noise apps. That's what I mean. So aren't, aren't the real apps that people want pretty much on every? On well, both? at this point, That's it seems like when when I first got into Android, my brother was hard hardcore Apple iPhone. It, I had my Droid. He had his iPhone. I think three GS or something. And it was a lot of. Do you have this app? Can you do this? Can you do this? And at that point. There was a few things, and mostly games, that were only on iPhone. But I think now, I we just saw my pick for AOTA last night was Six Guns. That was an original uh, iOS app. But the, manu- the, the game developer is Gameloft. And now, they make for both. And, and you see most of the big house developers 
come out with both whether if it may not be simultaneously but it's going to be really close and so you don't have that gap in there where there's a killer app for the for iphone but you guys don't have it on android like you're almost neck and neck at this point well that's because at one time it was a lot more users on the ios devices versus everything else right it's like why don't you satisfied users you know yeah, it's like why are, why are I Macs so safe from from viruses and exploits? Because you know there was it was a niche of people using them. Now that there's yeah. more users on them, you're starting to see that stuff. I I, th- I think it's a reflection on the industry that one of one of Apple's big marketing points is they have seven hundred million seven hundred thousand apps, and and people buy the phone. Yeah, you know, what are you going to do with seven hundred thousand apps? Please. Yeah, you go for it, Larry. (laughs) Get back to us and let us know how that's going. Yeah, I'll see you guys in a in in a few years. But after I'm done installing eight hundred thousand apps here, no, this conversation makes me feel bad for Microsoft though, because they really do probably have an app gap. And Larry, when they still haven't come out with an SDK for their developers, what are they going to do? Is this going to be massive crunch time the month before it comes out? Because this is like the definition of procrastination here, it looks like. I mean, and, and maybe they're developing a lot of their apps in-house, and then they'll throw it out so that they can show developers, here's what we expect from you? Or right, I, I don't understand. That's what I would think they're doing, Matt. Do you think? Yeah, that's what I would think they're doing. And that would just go perfectly with the whole rumor from the Intel exec saying, hey, they're getting ready to put this OS out there, and uh, it still ain't ready, you know, <laughs> you know but they're going to put it out there anyway, you know, so if they don't have this SDK ready for the developers to put some stuff out there to get more consumers in there, they're just going to go off of their own little backbone of applications for that ecosystem. But you know, they've the, waited. The theory I've heard is they don't want to let the app, they don't give out the development system because that, Implicit, you know, once everybody's got the development system and the emulators, they know what iPhone 8 looks like and that they're trying to keep that secret till whenever they announce it. But they've waited this long. I don't know if that's true. They've waited this long. Why? I I don't know. It seems like they they could have had it released to at least some people. I I don't know. NDA or something so the guys don't, you know, expose things. I don't know. Yeah, but if you keep it closed like this, the second it comes out, it's going to be out there anyway. I mean, I, that's why I don't get. Like, we see leaks regardless. I mean, either way. Don't you think the big companies like, I don't know, the game companies and stuff aren't? Don't you think they're really right now as we're talking building uh, Windows Phone 8 applications? They must have some. I mean, come on. They are. I don't know. I would assume just like Matt said, though, there, there's always that one guy at the bar that says, hey, guys, let me show you all what I've been working on all day. You yeah. Know? yeah. He's that one guy Dr. Kiki would have interviewed because he was so excited. Nobody ever asked him about his work. And now someone's like interested. And he's like, oh, let me show you. This is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it's like augmented reality, but better. But better. You know, guys, on this same topic, a related topic, I read it just – Got a link or something and read a blog post today. Uh, where is um, oh, what's his name? The guy from Google who used to be Schmidt. I can't remember his name. Sergey Schmidt. Oh no, the uh, Eric Schmidt. Eric, Eric Schmidt. Schmidt. Eric Schmidt. He came out with a statement that uh, well, 
Apple's kind of screwed up this Maps thing, and we're in no hurry to bring out an uh, app, a Google app map app, Google Map app for the iPhone. We talked about that on AOTA last night. He came out and ah. said, "You should have wait. You should have stuck with Google Maps, or you should have waited, or something." And that's. That's one thing I kept thinking about in my head when I was listening. I think one of Leo's shows, again, going back to that, they were talking about it, is that why didn't Apple keep Google Maps on there until their Maps was finished? Because they pulled Google Maps before they had anything ready to replace it. They were hoping that they would have it finished by the time uh, the new iPhone came out, right? But they, it seems like they could have just left Google Maps on there Unless they didn't want people to get the new iPhones and have that and then have to switch or something. I, I don't know. That didn't make sense to me. You know, but I like to think in giving Apple some credit here, I like to think that their development seems to be, you know, up to snuff. So they did it and said, you know what, we're going to be fine. We, we always are, you know, on par with getting our products out and, and pleasing our customers, you know. So yeah, they'll improve cool. it over time, too. Yeah, I mean, it has been getting a lot of shit in the press, hasn't it? Like a lot of complaints. Yeah, I think the whole, I think the map thing can, can finally die down some. It it was a shock for it to be as 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 messed up as it is. It's still usable to a certain extent, but you know, still, folks, it's it's. But so, ask somebody. (laughs) Is it just a little glitch here and there, but? 99.99% 99.99% of it's accurate. Oh, we talked about that last week. Yeah, yes, that Larry, Larry wasn't there. Basically, things were in wrong places. Airports were labeled as other things. Something was... Uh, roads were missing. It was just like the map wasn't finished almost. That's that's right. the feel I got from reading that movie-esque <laughs> introduction. Right. But if, if out of the entire world they screwed up 100 things, that's not a big deal. Yeah, and now, okay. let me ask you guys this. If you're Google, is it, I mean, are what are you thinking in regards to, should we hurry up and get this out to get their their people happy? Or should we wait, make people realize, it's that whole thing, you don't know what you have till it's gone. Now well, that you don't I have Google been. Maps, how lost are you? How's your turn-by-turn directions doing? Where where are you at right now? The airport or the he's hospital? By Eric Schmidt today, I have the feeling his thing is he's going to let him twist in the wind for a while. You know, just let him uh, really come to miss Google. Because what would Google he gain to benefit? Saying, hey, maybe Google won't even let our app on there. What, Larry? What would they? What would Google gain to benefit from from it? Just what you're saying. Everybody'd say, "Whoa, Google Maps is way cooler than what." But we are got. they expecting? That's what I'm saying. Are they expecting that to be enough in and of itself to push people back to Android, or is it just a little ha ha nanny nanny type of thing? I don't know. He also said, hey, mate, we don't even know if Apple's going to let us put an app on their thing. That's true, right? Yeah. Well, that was the rumor. Some people said that the Google had already submitted the app, and then he came out and said, no, we, we haven't even started yeah, on said, it. Hey, we haven't started about yeah, we haven't even started. We're like Microsoft. We're going to wait. About as much as, uh, no, no, I, I, I've, seen, I've seen coverage elsewhere that says that Google is working on an iPhone uh, a map app. But I think, uh, did I, well, I mean, Google is working on such a thing. Totally. But I, I think Eric Schmidt's perfectly justified in 
throwing his weight around a little bit. Well, yeah, for all the crap that Jobs started with the whole getting getting his fan boys and girls riled up saying, ooh, we're going to war. Why did you turn this into a war? This could have been a friendly competition. You turned it into Call of Duty. He turned it into Call of Duty 3 over here. Like, what? that was unnecessary. (laughs) Come on. And now we had another story on AOTA last night about how Apple stole uh, the clock from for iOS 6 from some 1940 Swiss clockmaker, and then they didn't license it. They said, no, we're just going to do it. And now they're getting sued over it. Like, you can't go after these companies on the high horse of, oh, they stole from us while you're stealing in the background. That just looks so terrible. Do you guys remember when Apple went after Windows for having a trash can? (laughs) (laughs) And now we call it the recycle bin. (laughs) All right. Well, we're almost at the end of the hour. There's a few more stories I wanted to to talk about here. Uh, You mentioned something about the BlackBerry Jam America's keynote. Uh, What are they doing? Or was that Mike? Or Larry? No, that, no, that, that, was, that was me. I took some time to, to check that out. Yeah, give um, us some updates. Well, I, none of us even remember RIM or BlackBerry. Well, um, but as we all know, that RIM... What did they do? Yeah. I well, according to, you, according to you, Mike, they're just too de- another dead weight that's going into the ocean. I remember <laughs> the storm. Speaking of ocean, I remember the BlackBerry storm. All my friends got it, and then were totally pissed after they had it for like a week. Yeah, it they they make it they're making improvements with the BlackBerry 10 operating system. I've heard the is, OS is nice. It's shiny it, and and nice. Well, Matt, in my opinion, it's an improvement, but it's nothing to to wow about. Really? Um, you know, it's it's all gesture based about like how, you know, iOS and Android is. You just swipe to see this, drag to see that and so on. Um, but even the, having the back end of Qunix on there, like, I, I don't know. I've always read that that was a very nice platform to build an operating system on. What I give them credit for is the enterprise integration on it. But far as the consumer side of it, I, I, I don't see it. What they have with the, um, with the enterprise side, side of it is you get basically two profiles on your phone, just like you would set up profiles on a home computer. You've got a Profile to log in as yourself, a profile to log in as your kids. Just like the new Android has now, profiles yeah. and stuff, which always seem – we can talk about that for a sec. That uh, that seems weird to have on a phone. Like, why are you touching my phone? I definitely don't want you having your own profile on my phone. Now, well, for enterprise, see, is that better for enterprise so you can – This is much better for enterprise because it's, it's seamless. It's all on the back end and is managed by your, by your employer. It, it allows you to get into the app world or app store. To, I think it's called app world for BlackBerry. And it gives you what apps are allowed for that network and for that um, employer. Oh, okay, so it's not just and, personal stuff. It's like yeah, what you can do on the and, phone. So you could technically have two shifts, your day and night shift. Have When your day shift leaves the office, they leave all of the BlackBerries there. When the night shift comes in, they pick up the BlackBerries and get their profile and go about their day. So you're only buying half the amount of phones? I mean, is that something that would make sense? Or? Well, no, see, it's it's still based off of bring your own device. Oh, okay, okay? I see. But so, it's a matter so of controlling in, what you're doing on your own device. Right. You know how we have on the Android the pull-down notification screen, okay? What happens on this is it gives you two tabs at the top. One is for personal, 
One is for enterprise. Oh. And when you flip into the enterprise side of it, it's a whole different look. You can customize it or whatever, whatever you want to do. But it's strictly for your work, mm-hmm. you know. But then if you need to be able to get back into the personal side of your phone, it's just a swipe. And they still have the same encryption that they've always offered on um, BES. BBM. Problem is how much, uh, how many, how many employers are going to be dealing with the BES servers out there? You know, it's it's just it's too expensive not have enough penetration for it. But there's a catch. At the end of the keynote, he was saying that you could use this not only with Blackberries but with other devices. But he wait, there's details. more. Yeah. <laughs> there's more. He didn't One get into more details, thing. but he's saying you can have an Android phone, you can have a, a Windows phone, or one of those i devices. He pretty much made fun of Apple throughout the whole keynote. Man, that's and, uh, that's some tough talk <laughs> coming from yeah. Rim. That is some tough yeah, he, talk. He, he Google was, was so like, high. Rim, <laughs> sit down, we'll handle this. And and, and is there a shipping date waiting uh, announced for this thing? There's still no date. I couldn't. That's that's two things I couldn't find: a release date or the actual hardware that it's running. Haven't they, they been have... notorious for pushing back the BBX? Like, haven't we been hearing, oh, next month, or oh, in a few months, or oh, next quarter? Like, they haven't really come out with a solid, no. here's when you'll see it, because it's not ready Nothing. yet, right? Nothing. The last I've heard was early 2013. Wow. Yeah, but you this know, is... And that, that's not saying much, you know? And I, like I said, they're, they're going to be fine on the enterprise side. But it's still a penetration on the devices where they're going to struggle. And I think it's saying plenty. I think it's saying the drain is circling. <laughs> right. <laughs> the drain is circling. Round well, and let me ask you guys goes, this, Mike. Let me, let me ask you this. In this gap of time that we've been waiting for BBX, have enterprise businesses been filling that demand with Android or iOS? So by the time this comes out and is supposedly ready for prime time, are people even going to buy new devices? They're going to be straight with what they've been using in this year gap time that that's been on. In the enterprise, the, the big news these days is bring your own device. Yeah. So that the so you, you go out, you buy an Android, you buy an iPhone, you buy a Windows phone. The enterprise doesn't care, and they hook you up to uh, the exchange server synchronization software on their side, yeah. and, you're, and you are good to go. And so you work for a corporation that yeah, and, like, and still, even with this enterprise penetration that they're trying to get back, they're still going to have competition because of what Microsoft is doing with the whole Windows eight and that. Um, Oh, now I can't remember that feature where it ties you into your network over the air without using a specific VPN client. You, you remember that feature? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I do. I don't, and I'm forgetting the name of it. I can't but, think of the name of it. Hyper V, I believe is what it was. Maybe Hyper V, yeah. Hyper V. But I, I just don't know what they're going to do on this, man. And, and I thought that when I've had my Blackberry, just like you said, Matt, I had the storm. And I liked it, but it was so slow as far as hardware. Yeah, Hyper-V Hyper-V is Windows Server Virtualization, or is what that was known as. It's now known as Hyper-V, so that's pretty cool. BlackBerry or RIM, they continue to make new devices over the years, 
but they never had the the decent hardware that your Android devices had. Your they always seem like had. one or two years behind what the current, not even the best top of the line, but just the main, the normal current Android or or whatever is running. Like they were just yeah. so behind, and I I don't understand why. Like, what is causing that? The chips, or I mean, like where is their problem at? That's what I wanted to know. And the devices they showed off in this keynote. Uh, they call them developer devices, but they don't really give you any specs on it other than it has, they have one that has a has a larger regi- resolution, screen resolution, but it doesn't tell you how much memory, it doesn't tell right, you Right, right. And you know when they're being like secretive that. about that kind of stuff, you know something's up. going to drag ass. The other thing I I noticed <laughs> here, they, they mentioned something about uh, BlackBerry Hub. Yes. My original droid came with something that was built into Moto Blur called yeah. uh, my network or social network or I forget what it was called, but it was a it was a, a messenger thing that you would open up and it had your Facebook, your Twitter. Do you remember that ant on the OG yes. droid? It, it had it. It was on the droid X as well. So, but so why is BlackBerry coming out and saying this is new and no one's ever like this is. This is old. The only thing new Come about on. it Matt, is they're allowing you to to have a quick access to that by just the swipe of one thumb. I can do that it. by putting an icon on my desktop and tapping with one thumb. You know, that like was that. that was the whole. That was another big issue when that oh, keynote. Because they, they said, didn't want you tapping to get to anything, and they, they said you, you could do this. Walk around and do it this way, and they said you could do that from anywhere, anywhere from in anywhere. the whole. You could just do that thumb gesture. And here yes. is all of your social networks and, and everything. everything. They called it peeking, like you peeking to look at something. Like just taking a quick peeksy, just a little peek. Yeah, that's that's all it was. But I got I got to laugh at him a little bit um, when he comes out to do his keynote, and I'm talking about the CEO Torsten Hein. He comes out to do the keynote, and the applause is like, like one dude with the storm, <laughs> like waiting. Waiting for the new version. Give us BBS. What's under the seats? Oh, nothing. It's a playbook. What is this crap? There was nobody there. Oh man! Brings out one of your, you know, product leads to shoot to do the demo of the OS. And as he's going through the features, he's like, "Oh man, that is great!" And he starts applauding. And it's like the slow clap, like the one. And yeah, then he, everyone he applauds to get the crowd to applaud, you know. And and I'm like, man, they needed the sign so that says applaud. <laughs> yeah, Maybe yeah, people really. didn't know. May you don't That's know. Sad. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I, it it looks better than what they used to do as far as their OS went. Um, I haven't looked at BlackBerry since OS five point something. Um, being on OS ten now, it 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 does look better, but it's just not. Too little, too late. Too little, too late, for sure. Here's a quote for you guys. He says, We understand that the BlackBerry platform was not always easy to develop for, but those days are gone. Those days are long gone, friends. No longer will this be a pain in the ass to develop for. No more. You told us what you needed. We listened, and guess what? We made the changes. That's right. You stuck with us? Well, as as everyone's live blogging from their Android or iOS. <laughs> who stuck with you, dude? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody, Nobody stuck with you. 
Oh, I, I guess the United Arab Emirates. Anybody that strong-armed Rim into giving them a BlackBerry server so they could snoop on what their people were talking about? You're still oh, yeah, with them. You know they're still that. with them. No, we need access. Well, you, we don't have access. All right, well, build us a server then. Okay. Okay, really? sure. Okay? Well, no. at least they are touting 80 million subscribers on BlackBerry currently. Yeah, they're That's all the- phones sitting in some office somewhere not being used, but they're still hooked <laughs> up because no one wants to pay early termination fees. Come on. Get over <laughs> I mean, come on. You stuck with us, and we thank you for your support and your enthusiasm. We will succeed together. Sometime in 2013. 2013. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. And that's a pretty big maybe. If you guys can check out that video, they have it on their blog and it's on YouTube as well. If you can just check out a few minutes of that keynote, it's it's, it's sad and comical at the same time. I'd play it, but I don't want us to get pulled from YouTube. So we'll just put links to it in the show notes at yetanothertechshow.com for episode 50, or excuse me, 26. 53 of AOTA, my bad. Yeah, we're on 26, bro. All right. Uh, Let's see. We talked about some Google stock. Oh, this is kind of interesting. We saw Nevada and and Google's driverless cars. Uh, Nevada uh, signed in some stuff a while ago. This was quite a while ago, saying that, yeah, you can uh, use our highways, our open roads to test the cars. Uh, Now we have Governor Jerry Brown uh, also signing a driverless car bill. He was actually at Google headquarters here uh, in Mountain View on Tuesday. In a driverless Prius, of course. (laughs) And he signed a bill allowing Californians to sit behind the wheel of a vehicle and allow an automated robotic system to do all the work. That is a step in the right direction, for sure. Now you can text and drive. I mean, that's what you wanted. That's the only only reason we are even doing this technology is so you idiots can text and drive and not run red lights and T-bone my friends at intersections, okay? That's the only reason. Look, it is an advantage to having these these driverless car or auto driving cars. People, you know, like paraplegics that can't drive. Well, that too, yeah. This is nice for them. I I get that. But people that said... Yeah. Just as I said in several episodes back, if I see that riding around here, I'm running. <laughs> it's Carrie. It's Carrie yeah. all over again. If I yeah. see that car without a driver. And next thing I know, I might see Larry Press with Yad in the driver's seat or something. What, what is <laughs> Yad? Yad? What is Yad? You know yeah, what? And driver. You guys. So, <laughs> I mean, the guys that are building these things say they're going to ultimately be safer than absolutely driving around teenagers driving around oh for and sure so you can imagine a future where you don't own a car where you just go online and say hey car come on over an here app. pick me up it's hey, on car, an app take me somewhere hey car so long that would be cool something I, that I uses that day i'm ready for my self-driving car i want to get in the car in the morning take a nice gentle nap while it drives me to the office yeah. right how and how cool amazing it, we're I already the building generation version of it myself we're already <laughs> building the infrastructure okay, for version it one, man. with <laughs> our phones we have mobile wait till the first service back <laughs> we have location data we have these phones with us how hard is it to make an app that charges to your google wallet as soon as verizon allows that or whatever <laughs> 
and and says, "Here, here's where you're at. A car will be there in a minute." And then yeah. just think of this way: think of, think of a world without DUIs, without drunk drivers, without accidents like that. I mean, that that's awesome, right? This can't be good for the liquor sickle market. <laughs> for taxis, <laughs> taxis will be self-driving cars. They took her jobs. Once yeah, again, even if the technology were really good, people would still be uh, reluctant. They'd be afraid of it, don't you think? So it, it seems to me, I've heard somebody say, I didn't think this myself, but they're going to introduce the features little by little by little. Yeah, that's right? kind of what they've been doing with doing like the assisted parking with the, the radars that let you know, hey, you're in the other guy's lane, a-hole. Like, get back in your own lane. <laughs> yeah, or cars that slow down automatically when you're going around a curve too fast. Here's my prediction. By yeah. 2020, it will be commonplace to, to see self-driving cars in operation on California roads and highways. What I'm excited about that would be totally cool. Yeah. You know what I'm, I'm excited? I'm ready for it. I'm yeah. looking forward to, and I'm very excited to see all of the great YouTube videos of things that people oh, will I'm do with the cell, like <laughs> car surfing. I'm thinking uh, people putting, like you said, the dog in the drive. I mean, just all this silly stuff that people are going to be like, oh, wait, I got to try this. Let's check this out. It's so cool. It's coming. You know it's you coming. You know it's coming. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's time for a baked up viral video right now of old yad driving down the <laughs> smoking a cigar just like smoking cruising like <laughs> hollering at all the dogs walking like sup <laughs> do it like they used to do in the movies you have the background going by really fast yeah. old sitting there car just sitting there with a background loop just go that would be so awesome picture it now a google self-driving car navigating on ios maps yeah. <laughs> trying to pull a drive-by so, not so good <laughs> like oh, I said, well, give me version, version yeah, is this jelly bean? no, it's gingerbread yeah, I'll take the next one, thanks Yeah, give, give me the next, you know, the next the third version or so I, 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 that's when he says 20, 2020, I, I can dig that I'll wait till 2021 that'd be cool 2020, I think it's going to be cool and, and I'll tell you what else is going to make a big difference here the the technology is going to be much more affordable in 2020 for sure than, than these uh, in dash navigation systems are today. Yeah, right. You, you know, today you can drop four or five grand, which is on a in dash navigation system, which is totally ridiculous when you can buy a. a, a uh, a smartphone for six hundred dollars, and the new ones will be much more capable. Yeah, and, and that self-driving technology is not going to add materially to the cost of the no, vehicle. You're right, and you know what? It also might pay off is in in uh, fuel economy. Yeah, the, yeah, it won't be speeding up and you know burning rubber and all that crap. It'll be driving like the ground. It will fuel if you want to put it and. And uh, 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 smog uh, production, yeah. Right. You know, the, yeah, yeah. Especially if they make them all electric, also, which yeah. But um, so here, uh, Brown says that this in a quote. He says this is the essence of Google, being able to imagine what isn't and bring it into reality. Uh, this event, they say, was closed to the public. Bryn, Sergey Bryn, he said uh, the cars would be good for the blind, the elderly, 
and those who are too intoxicated. <laughs> of course. On a more... Lazy. Right, more lazy. It's purely coincidental that Google was a big financial contributor to Brown's election campaign. Right. It's going to be totally coincidence when the obesity epidemic just skyrockets after these come into existence because <laughs> nobody's walking. You think nobody walks now? Just wait. Just, when I can open an app and have my car there like where would you like to go michael like yeah, yeah just wait uh, he says on a more serious note uh bryn said he believed the cars would be safer than humans driving and then he just couldn't resist one more quip he says quote self-driving cars don't run red lights unless they're in a hurry and late for a meeting at google then you know The Prius that was supposed to pick up Brown is like 10 minutes late, just running red lights like down Mountain View. Get out of the way! And hey, gangsters won't have to put bombs in cars. They can just hack them so they drive off. That's true. That does open up a whole (laughs) new new, uh, security scare, I guess, if you want to call it that, for people. Doing war driving and and hacking your car or whatever, but I'm I'm sure they're thinking of that. So hopefully they will make it more secure than the last five iterations of Windows. Uh, the bill, which passed in August, requires the California DMV to set up rules for driverless cars by 2015. Drivers will need to obtain special permits to sit behind the wheel of these robotic cars and be ready to take control if the vehicle crashes. So you need special permits for a driverless car, but any Tom, Dick, or Harry dipshit can get behind the wheel, drunk as all hell, and like wreck into. I mean, that no, seems you have, to a, you have to have a driver's license to drive a driver car. Well, I would imagine you'd need that too for this, but on top of that, you need a special special training that says you know how to, like in Demolition Man, where he's like manual. Damn it, Manuel! When the thing is stuck and he can't steer it, that's what's going to happen. As long as the cars come with that foam when he wrecks and it just... Poof, that would be cool. Oh, that'd be hot. It's a smartphone. Totally hot. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's about it. Was there anything else? Oh, we should mention the uh, 25-cent Android apps since this came out after we did AOTA last night. Uh, they got a lot of top apps for 25 cents. Angry Birds Space Premium. If 99 cents was too much for your Angry Birds Space, get it now. 25 cents. Uh, the cat I got the, it. Cat in the Hat. Uh, Ocean HD. Just some some cool stuff. If you're my, my main man, Aunt Pruitt, sent me a, a a little link earlier today for one of those apps, and I'm uh, I'm on it, Aunt. I'm on it. <laughs> Which one is it? Well, it's the uh, it's the app for runners, the GPS enabled app that lets you track your running route. Ah, Runtastic Pro. Yeah, there you go. Very. Well, cool. I had to send it to him because Larry was telling me the other the other day that you know yet another tech show. We are the buffest podcast out there. If anything, we that, are. <laughs> no question That's about true. that. Is true. Check, check out Ants kind of doing this cheap yeah. <laughs> yeah. website. I had to, I came back with one too. Yeah. <laughs> Runner and old Matt's doing those bottles every day. I know, right? We're all like just this, this explains <laughs> the, the 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 large percentage of women female listenership in our viewing audience. That's right. That's <laughs> are those guys are those guys bodybuilders or podcasters? Yeah. yeah, I can't tell. And if you 
hey, groupie, if you're listening, Hat says hi. <laughs> Those guys are like the U.S. arm wrestling team over I here. I can tell you, that's not a groupie. That's Ant's sister. Hey, we did She's get my a good groupie. Back tonight, off. Though. We did get a good tweet tonight. I'd like to give a shout out to Annika. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last butcher name. Bergstrom. Nice. And she says, um, you guys are the best. It's not easy making tech fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> when, when you do a show with Matt Lee, no problem. <laughs> I can hey, make I anything you're fun. You're Swedish. I used to live in Lund, Sweden. Hey. This could be a suicide hotline, and I'd make it fun. I mean, that's just my nature. <laughs> that's just how – I'm sorry. You're about the one about – <laughs> That's just how I am. I have to. I, I can't. I don't know how to do this any other way. We got a show title. Maybe it's because my first podcast was a comedy show. I don't know. But the, oh, all right, let's let's put a fork in this beast because she's done. Oh yeah. So all right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. It has been fun. I do always look forward each week to doing Yats and AOTA because we we do try to make tech fun because it can be so boring. Some it, like really, I get it. Shut up. A new device. Yeah. Like we try to bring a little something extra, and I feel like we have a a, ver- a variety of personalities here that we we come together and we all have this one thing in common that we all really really like hearing ourselves talk and so here we <laughs> we all like tech come on we all like talking about tech but yeah we got to make it fun otherwise i can't even listen to it and i got to edit this crap so oh, bear <laughs> bear with me i feel sorry for you i know me me too uh, but check us out online. We each have our own social networks that we're all over. Some of us are on Google Plus more than others are on Facebook, more than those of us who tweet, and some of us do all of it. But if you have any tech questions throughout the week, you can leave a voicemail at 406-204-4687, or you can just ask any one of us. You'll probably get a response from me or Ant before you will these two guys, but who knows? <laughs> Oh, come on, I'm all over email. You're, are you? Okay. <laughs> That's true. You just seem like the kind of guy that would just be like, duh, delete, duh, delete. Now I'm going to read this. You are so wrong. Larry, I need help. Uh, delete. Wait, that was my student. Nope, delete. <laughs> Larry, Larry is all email all the time. Well, that's cool. That's the truth. Because I don't have one of your damn phones, so I have to do <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm still waiting for my wife to give me your old iPhone three. Still has I need to make a phone call. I borrow her phone. Ever since <laughs> oh my, my phone. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, check us out each week live. We do these shows. You can hang out in the chat room and and just kind of hang out there while we do the show live and ask questions and, and interact with us over at yetanothertechshow.com/live. That's yet's TV. Uh, every Wednesday, and just check out the site during the week. There's 25 other episodes, 26 once we get this one up for you, uh, probably tomorrow. And then check out that YouTube playlist. There is over 48, almost 50 hours, 5-0, 50 hours of fun content to watch and listen to on that playlist. There's this show, AOTA, which is at episode 53, and then we did 25 episodes of Boss, BufferOverflowShow.com. And all that's on that one playlist. So check it out, enjoy it, and we'll catch you guys next week. I'm Matt Lee for Aunt Pruitt, Larry Press, and Mike Rothman, and this has been Yet Another Tech Show. Yet Another Tech Show.